Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the second Sunday after, after Christmas. Our order of service today is in the beginning of our bulletin. We're going to start right now with hymn number 61, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful. I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, 
now ask you before God who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Testament reading for this second Sunday after Christmas is from Genesis chapter 17 verses 1 to 7. Abraham is 99 years old at this point in time and God again confirms his covenant, his promise with Abraham to make him the, the father of many nations and well changes his name from Abraham, Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, father of many, father of many nations. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face, Abram fell face down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Alleluia. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Alleluia. Alleluia. reading is from Luke chapter 1 verses 68 to 75. We know these verses as Zachariah's song, the Benedictus, his words of praise to God after he and Elizabeth were blessed with a son, John the Baptist. Zechariah said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days.
And we'll continue now with our next hymn, hymn number 41. Hymn number 41, let all together praise our God. second Sunday after Christmas is our epistle reading from Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 to 7. We could say that this section is the Apostle Paul's Christmas story. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear fellow children of our Heavenly Father, 
Few people would argue if someone said that Christmas is the one holiday of the year that gets more attention than any of the other holidays. And oh, thinking about kind of in the church, you have Easter and Pentecost and Ascension and Re Reformation Sunday and, 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 well, Thanksgiving, which is kind of church and state a little bit there. Christmas gets more attention than those holidays. And it gets more attention than, oh, the 4th of July or any other state holiday as well. There's always that buildup before Christmas. And, you know, by the time it's Thanksgiving, you've already long heard about the Christmas advertising that probably goes up at Halloween time and even before. There is so much time for buildup. And when you think about it, so many people, they look forward to Christmas because of why? It's because they're thinking about family get-togethers and presents and Christmas dinners and maybe Christmas vacations. And all of those things may add to our joy at Christmas time, but those are extras in addition to what Christmas is really all about. And you've heard me say this before, that it's important for us to focus on that real meaning of Christmas, that real meaning of Christmas that more than 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered into our world to be our Savior. That's the real meaning of Christmas. But as we think about that baby born in a barn in Bethlehem, oh, we think of that hymn, What Child Is This? And oh, last week, last Sunday, the first Sunday after Christmas, we already were asking the question, What Child Is This? And as we ask that question, well, the story of the boy Jesus, the 12-year-old boy Jesus in the temple, it answers that question, what child is this, by saying that he regularly worshipped in his father's house, he eagerly studied his father, father's word, and he obediently did his father's will. Well, today we're looking at the Apostle Paul's version of the Christmas story. And he also answers that question, what child is this? And as he answers the question in this reading today, he tells us about that child. He was sent by God. He was born under law like us. And he opens his family to us. Our world is a prisoner of sin. And without faith, without faith in Christ, we all are held prisoners under the law, under sin. And sin holds us in bondage. We cannot free ourselves. We're in a whole lot of trouble. In fact, when you think about it, the way our sinful flesh feels about it is, our sinful flesh doesn't want to be freed from that slavery to the law because our sinful flesh 
feels that if we were freed from that, then we would be deprived of a considerable bit of enjoyment that we could have in this life. And it would provide us with unnecessary difficulties that by following Satan and sin we wouldn't have. Without faith, we'd all be prisoners of sin and we wouldn't even realize that that's necessarily that bad a thing. Paul tells us though, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son. That's God's tremendous, his gracious answer to the problem of our sin, to our predicament. God sent his son. And now, when we think about it, few may show the hatred and the anger toward Jesus that King Herod showed toward Jesus. Think about his ha hatred toward Jesus. He went after all of the baby boys in Bethlehem to just try to get rid of Jesus, the newborn king of the Jews. Well, he showed such terrible hatred toward Jesus, but... Most people in this world would regard Jesus as an unnecessary Christmas present and, and they would just choose to toss him aside. Only we who by the grace of God can feel the burden of our sin and understand that Jesus is the answer, we're the only people who really can appreciate who Jesus truly is and, and love him as our Lord and, and Savior. Paul says that Jesus came when the time had fully come. At just the right time, when all the conditions were just perfect, that's when Jesus finally, after thousands of years after Adam and Eve, that's when Jesus finally entered into our world on his mission of saving souls from the eternal punishment that we deserve because of our sins. Well, let's notice something that's rather obvious here. It says, God sent his son. We didn't call for him. We know about the distress and the discomfort and the destructiveness of death but our natural reason doesn't really recognize sin as its general cause. Our natural reason doesn't understand that that's the real cause for all of the problems that this world is faced with. But God's word does teach us that. Isaiah tells us, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord in all their distress, he too was distressed, so he became their savior. God in his love sent his son into our world for us and he gave us the gift that we need more than anything else. But when the world rejected that gift, what God even did is he used their rejection, sending Jesus to the cross, God used that to accomplish our salvation, to win for us eternal life in heaven. Well now, it says here, Jesus was born of a woman. 
And perhaps as Paul was writing that, he was thinking of the virgin birth. But the truth is, is that all of us were born of a woman. So the real fact here is to talk a little bit more about the magnificent miracle of Christ's incarnation. God became a human being. The almighty creator is a baby. God was lying in a manger. And such simple phrases reveal such a marvelous, a wonderful truth. Jesus was born under law. And now God is the author of law. He's not subject to the law. For example, God is the one who ends people's lives, but he is not guilty of murder. And God is the owner of everything, so God can't be someone, even if God would take away from us different things, he would never be guilty of, of stealing from us. He can't be guilty of breaking the laws, but now he who is the eternal son of God. He's born under law and he's found in appearance as a man and he subjects himself to every one of God's commandments. The moment that Jesus was born, the father insists on this human being, Jesus, who's also true God, of course, but he insists on Jesus, this human being, no less than any other one of us to do what the law demanded. Keep all my decrees and laws and follow them perfectly. The Lord says, you are to be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. And Jesus was holy and is holy. And he's holy in our place. But now what Jesus was doing is he came into this world to redeem us, to buy us back, and to buy back what is rightfully ours in the first place, that seems so terribly unfair. But what does a father do, for example, when his children, when a child would live contrary to the law and then subject himself to to the law's punishment. He doesn't just forget about the child. He does what he can for the child. He tries to help. He tries to figure out if what he can do will really help the child. And, and so if it's possible and if it seems like the right thing to do, what he does is he bails his child out. What our Heavenly Father does for us is he buys us back from the devil so that we can be his children. He redeems us, and he redeems us even though the cost was so terribly great, no less than the life of his own son. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And because of that, we can't think of the Christ child and think of those little hands 
in that barn in Bethlehem and not remember that those little hands would be, as Isaiah tells us, pierced for our transgressions. That little child, again, according to Isaiah, would be crushed for our iniquities. And Isaiah also says, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And what that means really is that we can't think of the Christ child without kneeling before him and worshiping him as our redeemer, just like those shepherds did on that first Christmas. The baby born in Bethlehem, he completely paid the punishment that we deserve because of our sinfulness. Oh, in the weeks after Christmas, I often would say that people maybe are a little bit more afraid to go to their mailboxes, if they still get bills in the mailbox, that is. But people are maybe a little bit more afraid to go to their mailboxes because they know that they maybe spent a little bit too much before Christmas in buying Christmas gifts and in doing things to prepare for Christmas. Anyone who uses a credit card, he better know that sooner or later those bills are going to come due. And, well, those bills can be great, but the bill that each of us owes to God because of our sins, that makes any possible credit card debt or, or loan debt or anything like that that we may owe seem like nothing. And, and actually, the sin debt that you and I owe to God, the sin debt that I owe to God, it's really bigger than our national debt. And it's really kind of scary thinking about that because in the last while, our national debt has been growing at an astronomical rate. But my sin debt is greater. Your sin debt is greater. And we can't even think about making a small payment toward that debt. But our Savior's death on the cross, that marks our sin debt paid in full. Our sin credit card bill paid in full because of what Jesus did for us. Our sins gone forever through faith in Christ. All this God does so it says here, we might receive the full rights of sons. And of course, remember, we were not God's sons by birth. We were, by nature, children of Satan and sin. But God loves us. And there's the key. God loves us. That's why he sent Jesus into this world to, to live and to die for us and to pay for all of our sins. And that's why he sends the Holy Spirit working through the word, working through baptism, to call us to faith, to make us believing children of God. And why he keeps on sending the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament to keep on building us up and strengthening us and keeping us in that faith. But now when... You think back to Bible times, I suppose, 
as long as the Jewish people, especially those Pharisees, as long as they were insisting on earning a position in God's family by their keeping the law, what ultimately they were doing is they were putting themselves under a slavery to the law. And as long as the Gentiles, as long as they continued to turn back to those weak and miserable principles of unbelief and, and chase after the idols, they were also in slavery to Satan and sin. Both situations Paul describes as being a, an absolutely terrible slavery. Such bondage, such slavery, it deprives people of the blessings that God wants to give us. But by redeeming us from bondage to the law, what God does is he makes, us, makes it possible for us instead to live not under law but under grace, under God's grace. And we're free from that no-win situation of trying to make ourselves acceptable to God because we're already acceptable to God through faith in Jesus, our Redeemer. All who, as Paul says here, live by faith in the Son of God, enjoy this full rights as sons. And here Paul says that we have the full rights of sons and not just of children because, well, we can remember that in Bible times, it was the sons who were the legal heirs of the family estate and not the daughters. That was the situation back then. And through faith in Christ, what it's saying, whether you're male or female, those things don't matter. Whether you're male and female, you have the full rights as sons. You have the legal right to the estate of God, to heaven, to eternal life. And when God and the Holy Spirit, when he enters into our heart to bring us to faith in, in Jesus, oh, it's such a wonderful thing because it means then we can call out to God as it says here and say, Abba, Father. Abba. That's such a wonderful term for our Heavenly Father. Hebrew children would call their fathers Abba and that's kind of like maybe children today are used to calling their fathers dad or daddy, bringing out that close relationship that hopefully exists between a dad and, and his children. The Hebrew child would say, Abba, I need a drink of water. And when he says that, he would confidently know that his father would be there for him and would give him that drink of, of water. And that's the confidence that every believing child of God can have. We're no longer slaves, we're God's children. And we have the full rights of children. We have God's grace and love. We have his forgiveness and eternal life. And we can know that God is going to take care of us. And well, the fact that he gave us Jesus and that he sent the Holy Spirit to make us believing children of God, that's the proof of the fact that we can have this confidence in Christ.
Paul says, And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Those words express also the same truth that the Apostle Paul expressed to the Christians at Rome. He said, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Oh, it's with words like these that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes so that we can look at all things with a spiritual and eternal perspective. And what I mean by that is that he makes it possible for us to see Jesus, the baby Jesus lying in the manger, and see him as our Savior and the ruler of all. Looking to the manger. Oh, looking to the manger may cause us to think of, oh, that cute little baby Jesus. But as we think of the manger, what we always want to do is think of Christ's cross and all that he endured for us so that we could have those full rights of sons, so that we have that access to God's grace and to eternal life in heaven. God sent his son. He did that because he doesn't want anyone to perish. Jesus prayed, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The Holy Spirit, through these words, these inspired words of Paul, he helps us to see in that barn in Bethlehem, well, as it says, all the Lord has done. Why is Christmas important to us? Oh, as I mentioned earlier to many people, the presents, family get-togethers, the Christmas vacation, all of those things can be a nice part of Christmas. But what gives Christmas real value for us is that on that day, what we do is we celebrate Jesus coming into our world as true God and true man in order to be our Savior, in order to pay for our sins, in order to win for us a place in heaven. May God the Holy Spirit Help us always to remember the real, the true meaning of Christmas. Oh, what child is this? He was sent by God. He was born under law like us. And he opens his family to us. Oh, that means that we can rejoice that when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith today using the Christmas creed.
I believe in God the Father Almighty, who sent his Son to be my Savior. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, my Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, announced by the angels, worshipped by the shepherds, adored by the wise men, who lived to suffer, die, and rise again, to free me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil. I believe in the Holy Spirit, who brought me to faith in my Savior, and by whose continuous work in my heart, I rejoice in my salvation, show forth his praises, and will one day live and reign with him in all eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, you have filled us with the new light of the Word who became flesh and lived among us. Let the light of our faith shine in all that we do. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And we gather up all other prayers we have today as we join in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple quick announcements. Today is Elizabeth Webb's birthday. That's the only birthday that I know of in the congregation. Maybe others that maybe you could inform me of. Thursday is Epiphany Day. And Epiphany Day, the day that we think of, the day on which we celebrate the worship of the wise men of the infant Jesus and will celebrate Epiphany Sunday next Sunday. At least that's the plan. Oh, we're wrapping things up with our Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary Food Bank Drive. If you want to contribute to that, please do so soon so that 
we can help out those married SEM students. Your offering envelopes are here at church right now. Um, in the congregation, we have our people on our prayer list. Please look at that to see who has special needs at the present time. As I'm recording this, I don't know of any real changes. People are coming along and the Lord is taking care of them. And we'll trust that the Lord is taking care of you as well because, well, when the time had fully come, God did send his son for you. The Lord bless and keep you always. Merry Christmas.